Hello listeners and welcome to a brand new episode of PSG Talking. On today's show we're going to be doing things a little bit different than usual. We're going one-on-one with ESPN FC's Paris Saint-Germain correspondent Jonathan Johnson, or as you probably know him on Twitter, at John Lagasa. We're going to be discussing PSG's transfer business in depth and why so many in the media are misinterpreting the moves the club made. With renewed optimism in Paris, the time for Thomas Tuchel to deliver is now. What does the manager need to do to secure his job at the Capital Club moving forward? Johnson then gives his thoughts on Neymar. In particular, we're curious about the relationship between Barcelona and PSG during those contentious negotiations this summer. We wrap up the show with an injury update and an explanation as to why so many matches in Ligue 1 are being stopped due to banners in the stands. My name is Ed, and this is PSG Talking. Great. I'm here with Jonathan Johnson. Jonathan, how's everything going in Paris? Very well, thank you. And yourself? I'm uh, just about to move apartments. This will be the last time you see me based here. <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah, everything here is doing great. I'm sure you're probably catching up on some sleep. It's been a, a pretty busy summer for PSG uh, with the transfer window and Neymar and everything else going going on in the world of PSG. But we're glad to have you for a little bit here. Thanks for taking the time. Um, we'll just jump right into it. So I read your piece on ESPN FC about uh, PSG's transfer window. I thought your assessment was a fair one. Um, your only real complaint was with the fullback positions. Um, Juan Bernard is the unquestioned starter at left back, but at right back, it's more of a question. Um, who do you think the manager will go with for the Champions League? And do you think that the right back position is something that will be addressed in January? I mean, they're, they're interesting questions. I mean, <clears throat> you, you mentioned Juan Bernat being sort of the only uh, unanimous choice at this point. I'd agree with that. Uh, you know, I think that he doesn't necessarily get the respect he deserves for, for last season. You know, he's a guy who, uh, you know, essentially brought his career back from the dead uh, after moving for a very, very uh, reasonable fee from, from Bayern Munich. Uh, for me, the issue at left back is more the depth. Than, uh, but I'm happy with Bernat as a starter. Um, I'm just a bit worried about what happens with Kozawa, either when he's on the pitch or if he gets injured again, because it's become a problem for PSG. Uh, and it's also become a little more complicated now with the fact that Backer is also missing from the the Champions League squad list uh, because there are you know there are too few French or too many non-French raised players uh, on that list. So Backer and uh, Marcel Bulka, two of the the summer arrivals, had to had to take a hit there. I mean, obviously there are players uh, you know who are very versatile who can perhaps fill in there. Uh, but one of the obvious candidates who who would have been able to fill in there if he was still a PSG player would have been Moussa Diaby. You know, we saw him kind of occupying that piston role uh, last season to quite good effect as well as I recall uh, in a couple of matches, notably Nice away but he's gone now so yeah you know outside of Bernat it's looking a little uh, a little worrying uh, at left back and then uh, you know at right back as well uh, obviously everyone is very uh, very very happy with the development of uh, Colin Dagba uh, for for the moment uh, I'm very pleased to see him uh, stringing a few starts together after uh, you know missing a bit of pre-season through injury uh, so getting back later than most of his teammates Obviously, when you're up against a seasoned international like Thomas Meunier, you have to assume that Meunier at some point is probably going to reestablish himself ahead of Dagba. But, you know, Tuchel has shown that he's he's a very big fan of Dagba's. So hopefully, uh, you know, he will continue to get regular minutes. Uh, I wouldn't expect that many of those minutes to come in the Champions League. But the the big question is sort of what formation Tuchel is going to go with, particularly in that opening match against Real Madrid, uh, where the attack 
uh, you know, regardless of who is lined up, is you know not going to be at full strength. Neymar's already suspended, so we know he's out. We're looking at the probable um, unavailability of Edinson Cavani uh, and potentially Kylian Mbappe as well. So we'll see what happens there. Mauro Icardi, uh, you know, although he was a he was a good pickup late in the transfer window, is probably going to be short of match fitness. So it will be interesting to see how Tuchel lines up the defence, uh, you know, to combat that uh, that that weaker front line that PSG will be lining up with. Um, but, you know, we've seen the likes of Tilo Kehoe used at right back. Mm-hmm. We know that Marquinhos can play there from seasons gone by as well. Obviously, he can move into midfield as well. So I think it's a question of who is available for Tuchel after the, the first match back after the international break. So Strasbourg at home in Ligue 1 uh, and, and he'll have to, to analyse from there. But it wouldn't it wouldn't completely surprise me to see Munier uh, back in the fold uh, for that one. I mean, Kehoe has had some injury problems already at the start of this season. So I think... Uh, you know, he's also probably a, a, a bit of a doubt to at least start that match. Uh, and it would be a lot of pressure on, on somebody like Dagba uh, if, if Tuchel does put him into the, the starting 11. Long term, I mean, I think now we're into the final 12 months of Munier's contract. Uh, he's talking up the possibility of a contract extension. Uh, you know, I think that's one of the furthest things from most fans' minds at the moment, given the way that his relationship has deteriorated with them over the last couple of years. So I do think that PSG... Uh, missed a trick in trying to sell him this summer and bring somebody else in. Leonardo did try that, but a little too late. Uh, you know, so his his uh, his transfer window performance wasn't completely flawless, although it was very impressive uh, on his return. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, it is potentially something that could change in January. I mean, you know, transfers for right backs and left backs are not going to be as uh, in, involving the massive sums that you know potential transfer of somebody like Neymar is going to be involving. So it is possible for PSG to potentially move uh, in that area in January. Uh, and also, when you've got players who are running, uh, you know, down their contracts and, and coming towards the end, like Meunier, like Kazawa, mm-hmm. uh, is in PSG's best interest to try and get what they can get if they don't intend um, on handing those guys new deals. Um, I, I, you know, Munier and, and Kazara are not stupid. Uh, I think that they will both know that if PSG want them to extend their contracts now that they've entered into the last 12 months, it will probably be, uh, you know, in order to sell them on for, you know, for, for a greater price, uh, perhaps next summer. So PSG are now in a situation where they either try and go towards the end of the season with these guys, knowing that they'll probably leave on a free transfer, or at least there's a risk they will leave on a free, uh, or, uh, they they tried to to get rid of them in January and identify some uh, some targets who could come in and potentially join um, a, a squad that's you know looking to make a deep run in the Champions League uh, from the from the midpoint. So a lot of things for the likes of Tuchel and the likes of Leonardo to consider. But first uh, you know first things first, PSG have to get the the opening half of the season out of the way. It's a challenging Champions League group, uh, and I think that you know the the fullback positions are. You know, is as something that Tuchel is going to have to play, pay a lot of attention to, um, particularly in those early Champions League group stage games, notably the one at home to Real. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's something in it with uh, Mounier being familiar with Bruges and being familiar with the likes of an Eden Hazard, just with the Belgian national team? Do you think there's something there that that's maybe why Tuchel would go with him a little bit more than maybe Colin Dagba? 
Um, yeah, there's that. Um, I'm not sure how fit Azar will be uh, when the the PSG match rolls around. He's also been having some injury problems. So I mean, th- this is the this is the uh, potentially the you know the the flip side. Uh, if there was a time to play Real Madrid, it's you know right at the beginning of the group stage, especially at home. I mean, cast our minds back a couple of a uh, couple of years when PSG got Barcelona in the group stage, played them at home very early on, won. Uh, you know, in a very entertaining match. Okay, ended up finishing second in the group, but uh, you know, it's a uh, uh, it's a it's a similar situation. And I also think it's a really really good start uh, if you're Thomas Tuchel. Let's be honest; it seems like he's lost his way with the players a little bit. They don't seem to be as responsive as they were in his early days. Perhaps that'll change with Neymar coming back into the fold because we know how important Neymar is to his vision of PSG. Um, but uh, you know he needs something that's going to get the players motivated, g'd up, you know, ready to sort of give everything and buy into uh, his methods. And it seems like with the uh, with with the with the absences that he may well have to contend with in attack against Real, uh, he's going to have to get innovative with, uh, with with his tactics. And you know, we saw how brilliant he can be at tailoring tactics to a one-off match uh, away at Manchester United in the Champions League. It was a shame he couldn't follow it up with, uh, you know, different tactics for the for the return leg at home. Uh, but, you know, this is a new season, new, uh, you know, a new slate for everybody. Uh, and, you know, it'd be the perfect opportunity to give the to give this season some uh, some much needed momentum, especially after the the loss to, to Rennes in, uh, in Ligue 1. So, uh, you know, I... I um, I do think that it's, uh, you know, it's there is uh, a lot for Tuchel and his staff to work on over the over the international break, um, and you know somebody like Munier right back is definitely something that he's going to have to give great consideration to because as much as he might not favour Munier as much anymore uh, and, and might be very keen to put his trust in Colin Dagba. You know, Munier has a lot of experience. He's also very, very useful when going forward. I mean, he's you know he's almost more of a winger than a than a than a fullback, a bit like Kazawa. Uh, and in a game where PSG are going to be lacking a bit of firepower up top because of Neymar's suspension and the potential injuries to uh, Cavani and Mbappe, uh, you know, I think having someone like him on the pitch from the from the start could be could be something very uh, very useful. But like I said. Uh, it depends on the players that Real have available and, and how Tuchel decides to, to set PSG up for this one. But I do, I do think that there will be a bit of logic in uh, in utilising someone like uh, Munier up against Real. Fantastic. And, and you mentioned Moussa Diaby as a player that's no longer with PSG. That if he were here, he'd be able to fill in at left back. Um, there's been several academy graduates that have gone on and been sold on. Um, which one of them do you think will come back to haunt PSG as, as, a, as a, a transfer that they'll regret making, similar to a Kingsley Komen who supporters still have to hear about? Yeah, um, this this is an interesting one, um, you know, because there are uh, there are a few candidates. I was very disappointed to see Diaby go. I was very surprised to see yeah. Diaby go actually, because it really did come out of the blue. Um, but obviously, sacrifices had to be made with regards to financial fair play. Uh, it's a bit unclear at the moment the tactic as to which PSG will follow re- uh, regarding their their youngsters, especially after the uh, you know after the the reserves was were, were essentially abolished. 
Um, so, you know, I think we're, we're going to need a bit of time uh, in order to be able to judge that and, and sort of see the vision that, that Leonardo has. I'd like to think that, you know, the best youth academy graduates in future will be loaned out uh, and given experience sort of similar to the way that Alphonse Ariola was built up before he came back and established himself at senior level or, or semi-established <laughs> himself at senior level. Um, yeah. And I... To be, to be perfectly honest, it might not be the most popular answer. I think the player that PSG will most regret losing will be Rabiot. Uh, I know he, mm. you know, he's a complete pain. Um, and because of the fact that he'd been established in the senior setup so long, you know, people forget at times that, you know, he also was a youth academy graduate. But I think that, uh, you know, towards, you know, around about the time that, that Leonardo returned, people were starting to wonder if he would reach out to to, to Rabiot and, uh, and Veronique and try to try to mend those bridges. Uh, unfortunately, the damage was was was, you know, too too great uh, from Antero Enrique's time as sporting director. Uh, and Rabiot was al- already close enough to, to Juventus for that deal to be pretty much done. Um, and, I you know, I think, you know, if PSG still had Rabiot in the squad today, uh, Tuchel would still be using him. Tuchel was very clear when he arrived that, that he rated Rabio, gave him a lot of responsibility. And then, you know, a lot of silly, nonsensical things happened. Uh, you know, mistakes were made on both sides. He's gone. He's gone to Juventus. Um, personally, as somebody who really rates him as a player, I wish him I wish him good luck there. Uh, I think he could have handled things better with PSG, but I also think PSG could have handled things better with him as well. Like I said, there's blame on, uh, blame on both sides, but I do think that he is the highest quality homegrown player that PSG have, uh, have lost or let go of. Um, and I do think that he is the, the the one that they could come to regret in in years to come. Wouldn't surprise me if if Diaby goes on to to, to greater things as well. Um, but you know I think Rabio is is the one who could really go on um, and has the the the, the clear potential to be a world class midfielder. Uh, you know and joining a, a a big club like Juventus. Uh, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise you to see him, you know, establish himself there and then, uh, you know, go on to uh, to do great things with them. So then when you kind of step back and you look at the transfer window as a whole, there's been a lot of pieces out there that have not been very high on what the business that PSG has done. When you look at it, do you think that the business that they have done this summer is being undervalued or perhaps even misinterpreted? Yeah, I mean, I think misinterpreted is perhaps a really good way of putting it because, at the end of the day, I think you have to really know the ins and outs of PSG to know if they have been successful this summer or not. Uh, and I'd say one of the obvious big successes of this summer was replacing Antero Enrique with Leonardo, not just because it was the end of Enrique's um, time in, in charge as a sporting director, uh, but, you know, Leonardo hasn't just come back and, and, and you know, made a made a couple of transfers. You know, he's come back and given PSG some clear leadership. Uh, you know, he's taking a lot of pressure away from uh, the likes of the likes of Thomas Tuchel. He's adding a personal touch to it. I mean, you know, having gone to some of those early season press conferences, you know, to have someone like Leonardo come down, have a chat personally with the with the journalist, shake hands with everyone and make it clear as to, uh, you know, where the, the situation with Neymar stood at that moment in time. Uh, you know, that was that, that was very, very impressive. That was something that PSG had been missing uh, for a long, long time. Uh, you know, Leonardo is always available for comment when comment need, is required from from the PSG side. And that wasn't the case with uh, with Enrique. So I think that, you know, Leonardo has been one of PSG's best signings this uh, this summer because there finally seems to be some some direction, some idea, some purpose. 
you know, at, at sporting level for, for, for PSG. Um, and, you know, it means that, you know, the likes of Nasser Al-Halafi have, have only needed to say things once or twice. And, you know, the message has been well, uh, well received. So I think that Leonardo was a big, big plus. Because at the end of the day, the transfer window is not always just about bringing in players on the pitch. It's about what happens, the changes that are made off the pitch as well. Uh, you know, and I think Leonardo coming back, um, obviously, you know, some of the players that he's brought in, some of the players that he's moved out or allowed to move on. But the fact that he's also decided to stick with Tuchel, uh, somebody that PSG gave, uh, you know, a, a contract extension to last season and then waited until the end of a, an absolutely dismal campaign to to, to officialise the new contract. Uh, you know, I think that that was a that, that was a shrewd move because I'm sure, uh, you know, he would have no shortage of agents contacting him saying that their coaching clients were very interested in taking the position at PSG. Uh, you know, Jose Mourinho has made no secret of the fact that, you know, he would actually quite fancy a crack at Ligue 1 after all these years of, uh, of talking badly about it in public. Uh, and I, you know, I think that giving Tuchel a chance in this second season was the right idea. Uh, I just wonder if sort of the damage between um, Tuchel and the the PSG squad has has almost been a bit too much from the end of last season for for him to uh, sort of win them back. Uh, you know, only time will tell. We'll have to wait and see what happens. And that's why I said what I said earlier about the Real Madrid match is a very good opportunity for Tuchel to get his squad back on side with him early on in the season. Um, but you know. Bringing it back to, to, to the transfers, you know, the, the players actually brought in this summer, I, I think it's been a very, very um, good window. OK, it could have been perfect if the fullback situation had been uh, resolved a little bit. Uh, you know, I think it was the right time for Dani Alves to, to move on. So um, I'm... I don't think him going, uh, you know, was a was a massive disaster. I just think it was a shame that PSG weren't able to move on uh, the likes of Kozawa and perhaps bring in a Guerrero um, and, you know, let someone like Munier go and, uh, you know, perhaps bring in someone like Dissio if that's really who Leonardo had identified at the beginning of the, the transfer window. Then again, uh, I... I I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm also guilty of, uh, of the same because I'm a big fan of, of Alphonse Areola's, but people are looking at some of the changes that, that PSG have made and wondering sort of where the obvious uh, need for those changes were, uh, you know, particularly in goal. And unless they've been following PSG for the last couple of years, you know, as I have, uh, as most listeners have, they probably wouldn't know that the goalkeeping situation had become, you know, tantamount to fast really it, you know it's ridiculous yeah. the fact that there's been no established number one for a long period of time and as much as I would have loved uh, Ariola to have been given his crack at establishing himself as the undisputed first choice it seems like a lot of people and not just not just the fans you know people at the club had also decided that he, we, he they weren't confident enough in him to do that so with that you know with that knowledge you know with that feeling I can understand going for somebody like Keylor Navas. I mean, you you can't really ask for much more. Uh, you know, he is experienced. You know, he's a three-time consecutive Champions League winner. He's hungry to play regular first-team football. Uh, you know, and if you see him, you know, he's he's a big guy. He's very solid, but he's very very agile as well. He is a very very good goalkeeper. Uh, you know, somebody who 
you know, I think if if Real Madrid hadn't been so obsessed with, you know, having a glamorous name in every position could quite easily have been their number one for a couple more seasons. Their loss is PSG's gain. Um, I think that PSG could still play a part in, in Ariola's future. We'll have to wait and see what happens, how his loan moves pans out. I'm a little concerned for him um, about the season he's about to spend in, uh, in Madrid, particularly how it's going to influence his France chances. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I Moving forward, I think adding Diallo in defence was smart. You know, he's versatile. He's a he's a talented kid. Uh, he's a good uh, a, a good player, a good solid addition. I don't expect him to be a regular starter all the time, but because of his versatility, you know, he could quite easily fill in um, in a number of uh, you know the holes that the that might come up in the PSG starting eleven. I mean, we were talking about not really having the confidence in Kazawa behind Bernat earlier. Well, you know, Diallo is someone who could potentially yeah. fill in on the left side of defence, depending on what formation Tuchel goes for. Uh, I think one of the biggest achievements this summer was boosting or, or basically reinventing uh, the, the the midfield, bringing in, uh, you know, the, the likes of Herrera on a free transfer, Idrissa Gay as well, you know, basically giving Tuchel what he'd been craving since he arrived. Uh, I think that was very important, very smart of Leonardo. Uh, and people people have been asking why PSG weren't spending, uh, splashing the cash this summer because financial fair play is no longer a concern. It's not as pressing a concern as it was before, thanks to the renewal of the contract with Nike, thanks to the, the Aqua Hotels um, Live Limitless sponsorship deal. But that doesn't mean that financial fair play doesn't exist anymore. PSG, because of the mistakes that have been made in the past um, and you know the fact that the UEFA had punished them in the past, they had to be quite careful uh, this summer. So Leonardo wasn't going to go... Uh, you know, splashing the money as he as he did the first time he was in charge. So instead of looking to stamp his mark on the squad, he's given Tuchel what he's asked for um, and tried to fill in the holes as best he can. I mean, you you compare PSG's last minute transfer dealings this summer to last summer, and the, you know, there's no comparison. I mean, okay, Bernat went on to be a you know a, a big success, but then you've got somebody like Chupomotin coming in to boost the attack, and this year you've got Mauro Icardi. I mean, it's you know, it doesn't. There's no comparison whatsoever. Okay, Icardi. It, it seems like PSG have. Uh, upgraded from Veronique Rabiot to Wanda Nara. We'll, we'll wait and see, you know, how that sideshow plays out. You know, we all know PSG love a bit of drama. Uh, so um, I'm kind of curious to see what's going to go on there. But, you know, there's also been some very, very smart money spent as well. Uh, you know, Sarabia uh, looks like he is going to be money well spent. Looked very impressive with Sevilla. Uh, looked ready to, to make the move. Uh, he's now getting... Uh, international recognition with Spain already, which is uh, we, you know which is great. Uh, and then there've been a couple of very useful young kids uh, added to the mix as well, the likes of Baca, uh, the likes of Bulka, and you know I think that it's 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 good smart business. Um, okay, there's a little bit of risk attached to it when you bear in mind sort of the 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 kind of circus that that follows um, Icardi around. But then again, when you also um, you know, listen and, and and look at the situation that he's coming from over the last couple of months. You know, he's a guy who's going to have a lot of hunger. Somebody who is, when he's played, when he's fit and focused, you know, he is a very, very lethal, um, prolific finisher. And I, I think if, you know, if Tuchel can, can sharpen him again, get him back to some of the form that we saw from him in the past with Inter, uh, you know, I think PSG have, you know, pulled off a, a big coup, especially as they're not tied in 
to buying him at this moment in time. It's basically up to him to prove himself, prove that you know he's good enough for PSG to keep, uh, that the relationship is good enough for them to both want to continue at the end of this season. Um, because being completely honest, given his muscular injuries over the last 12 to 18 months, Edinson Cavani's time at PSG is coming to an end. As great a character as he is to have in the dressing room, and I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan of his, uh, you know, physically he is, you know, he's on the win. And I'm I'm concerned that it's going to take him longer to get back uh, than is expected. Uh, that's why I don't really expect to, him to be ready for the for the Real Madrid match. I have more confidence that, that Mbappe, given his youth, uh, you know, will be able to bounce back quite quickly and be be ready for that one. We'll wait and see. Um, but you know, somebody like Icardi is is one of the few players with the with the right profile in world football that would be able to follow in Cavani's footsteps. Uh, and I also think that. You know, on paper, uh, in theory, a front three of Neymar, uh, Mbappe and uh, Icardi is very, very complimentary mm-hmm. and is potentially frightening for any team that's going to come up against PSG, yeah. whether it's uh, you know domestic or continentally this season. So I think that is something, uh, you know, that that's looking on the positive side of things. It's very, very easy to focus on the negatives and say, oh, PSG have added uh, another big ego to the mm-hmm. big ego to the mix. You know, obviously, because. The, the, the quality of players that PSG want to bring in, there's going to be egos involved. Yeah. It's up to Tuchel and it's up to, you know, more importantly, Leonardo uh, to know the characters that he's bringing in uh, and to be confident in, in his ability to, you know, stop some of the, the ridiculous farcical scenes mm-hmm. from the last couple of years that Antero Enrique let slide, uh, you know, happen again. And I have confidence in him based on his first couple of months back in the job uh, in, in doing that well. Tuchel, I had very, I had a lot of confidence in from the beginning of last season, less so after the sort of last couple of months. But like I said, it's a new slate for everyone um, this campaign, and it's up to him, uh, you know, to really try and prove himself as well. He's been given the tools that he uh, has been asking for since his arrival at PSG, so I don't think he can have any complaints uh, towards Leonardo since his arrival. And now it's up to him, uh, you know, to get this team playing good football on the pitch. Um, and if he does, uh, you know, obviously it stands him in good stead uh, moving forward uh, into the future. I'm I'm not convinced that the Tuchel and Leonardo and, and PSG for, mm-hmm. um, for will will be a long a long term thing. But uh, you know, I think that Tuchel needs to give it his absolute best um, if he wants to avoid suffering a similar fate to someone like uh, Antoine Comboire. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Icardi. I, I think that was a deal that they almost had to do. They, I think he signed him maybe like 30 minutes, an hour before the window closed, and they kind of just looked around like, no one's going to take this guy. We can get him on a loan with no obligation to buy. Sure, we'll take him. We, we're down two strikers, so bring him in. So I feel like that was a deal that you have to do, and it's really low risk. If he's a, if he's a headache, you know, you can. He's not Neymar. You can just kind of sit him to the side, you know, say go home or something. Um, so I think you had to do that deal. Uh, you mentioned Leonardo a little bit and Tuchel and their relationship. You know, sometimes the squad now, people have high expectations. I think going into the season, especially after that loss to Ren, people were kind of like, oh, this is going to be a rebuilding year. Not so much anymore now with the, these new signings. So, but that could be a blessing and a curse. Do you think a couple more losses in Liga? Maybe you do drop that game against Real Madrid where they're kind of, you know, falling a little bit. Do you think that Tuchel can survive the season with a few more losses? 
I mean, I think over the course of a season, yeah, Tuchel could afford a couple of losses. I think it's a question of the timing of those losses. I mean, you know, if it's every once in a while, it's not so bad. But if it's in the space of a couple of, you know, weeks or, or match days, then it becomes problematic. I mean, cast our minds back to the beginning of Unai Emery's time in charge. Everyone was, you know, really, really happy, uh, you know. He's got this really enthusiastic guy coming in and coaching, moving water bottles around on the table during his press conferences. Uh, and then suddenly, you know, results aren't going PSG's way. Kevin Trapp's having a couple of howlers. And, you know, people are, you know, starting to, to scream crisis and Emery gets eaten alive in a pre-match press conference ahead of the first group stage game against Arsenal. And he never He never recovered from that. And, uh, you know, I don't think that Tuchel could recover this season, uh, you know, if something similar happens to him. So, yeah, the the need for, for positive results to continue is um, is reasonably high at the moment. I mean, I, th- I think that a draw at home to Real Madrid wouldn't be the worst result in the world. It's just I, I think it. it's. It's, it's a question of, you know, being opportunistic and looking at the fact that, uh, you know, Real Madrid will probably be stronger second time around with obviously because they'll be playing at home, but also because they'll probably have more players back and they'll be in greater, in better form by then, in theory. PSG could also be in better form by then, but I mean, four wins yeah. out of what, five games so far this season is not exactly, you know, bad in terms yeah. of form. And, you know, they started to look better going forward now. I mean, if, if Chupo is suddenly looking <laughs> prolific, then, you know, things are, things are looking up. So I, I do think that Tuchel needs, uh, he needs a big result. Uh, you know, to to to, to sort of build up a, a wave of momentum and then try to ride that up until the the Christmas break, and that's why I think that this Real Madrid game uh, is so crucial. I mean, you know, you look at the way that the fixtures are, are set up, particularly in the Champions League: Galatasaray away, second game; Club Brugge away, third game. It's not, you know, they're not the toughest of matches, but going to Galatasaray. You know, going to Istanbul is not a place that many fans want to yeah. go to, especially when you're under pressure to get a result. And uh, when you when you factor in the fact that there's a bit of beef, a bit of animosity between the the PSG and Galatasaray fans from from back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's going to be a very very hostile atmosphere that PSG walk into. They're going to be walking into it without Neymar. Uh, we don't know yet whether Cavani and Mbappe will both be fit and back for it. You'd assume Mbappe, yes. Yeah. We'll wait and see what happens with. Uh, with Cavani but um, you know you don't want to be going into that one uh, you know with the coach under pressure uh, you know having lost the opening match of the the Champions League group stage and potentially having dropped points in uh, in Ligue 1 as well so I do think that you know it's important after the international break for Tuchel to get the players absolutely focused uh, you know beat Strasbourg in the the, the first match back which is likely going to be Neymar's return to action mm-hmm. Um, and probably Icardi's uh, home debut as well, Navas as well. Uh, you know, if things go well smoothly in that, um, you know, we'll, we'll see then what happens uh, against Real. Like I said, I don't think a draw will be a disastrous result, but uh, I, you know, I think that a, a defeat would really crank up the pressure ahead of the, the second and third, uh, you know, Champions League matches particularly because they're on the road i mean having spoken to experts as well about uh you know both of these sides uh galatasaray are actually probably by the sounds of it the weakest side in the group yet you look at their midfield options and they've still got some very good players in there the likes of Inzonzi, the likes of seri the likes of lemina uh you know and if you know if, if club brugge are seen as sort of like the the surprise package 
uh, you know, PSG, it's it's in their it's it's in their interest to try and take this opportunity against Real, uh, you know, to to make an early statement that they want to to finish top, uh, and then take a bit of pressure off of themselves ahead of those games because we you know we've seen them uh, in the past when they've underestimated teams that they thought that they were quite easily disposed of, like Ajax away, and then end up getting you know held to a draw, dropping points, and it's uh, PSG need to avoid that, and Tuchel can't afford that because. Although I don't think history is going to repeat itself, like I said, uh, you know, Leonardo has shown in the past that if he needs to pull the trigger or feels like it's the the right time to do so, uh, he will. And I don't think it'll matter that, you know, Tuchel extended his contract at the end of last season. Uh, you know, I think he needs to bring in the results now that he's had the the tools that he's been demanding put in front of him. Yeah, if the, uh, the videos of Falcao being you know, unveiled in front of the Galatasaray fans or anything to go by PSG are definitely in for a fight with those fans. So let's hope for the best there. Uh, but I'll take a four nil against Real Madrid. That would be a great springboard for the season. So I think we've gone about 30 minutes now and we haven't really talked about Neymar. So let's just jump right into that. There, there's been a lot that's been said about him, but I'm curious, Barcelona and PSG don't like each other is to say it lightly. I, these two clubs hate each other. I'm curious if you heard anything about in in the room when they were negotiating. What was that like? I mean, I, you know, I've heard different uh, bits and pieces. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of claims, a lot of you know, sort of toing and froing. Uh, you know, the, the the relationship has never been you know particularly warm. I'd probably describe it more as as cordial. Um, I think one thing that really irritated PSG is the fact that Barcelona seemed to like to do a lot of their communication through the press as opposed to directly coming out and just saying, like, OK, you know, we would like to sign this guy. Uh, you know, I think it really irritated Leonardo. I mean, you could tell in some of his um, pub- public early uh, early words in public that the contact from Barcelona you know, was well understood by PSG, but it wasn't direct. It wasn't Barcelona coming to PSG and saying, okay, we're interested in him. It was them coming out and saying, uh, you know, that Neymar might be a player that interests them, but PSG have made it clear that they don't want to sell. Uh, You know, and obviously that changed towards the end of the transfer window uh, when Barcelona had to get involved more directly. And the the suspicion... uh, you know, that was long held throughout the this this summer's negotiations was that Barca wanted to sign Neymar, mm-hmm. um, but obviously didn't have the money to do so, um, but were loath to throw in the towel so early um, and and say, okay, we'll go back in for him next summer uh, because of the the fact that you know the Barca dressing room, particularly the likes of Lionel Messi, Luis Suarez, you know who been very open in uh, in admitting the fact that they were speaking with Neymar about his potential return we're pushing so hard for him and I think that's particularly important when you factor in the you know the considerations that you know Barcelona have their presidential election uh you know sort of on the horizon they've also got a new contract for Messi sort of in the works so you know had to sort of do everything they can to keep him happy because you know not only would uh, you know uh, Neymar arriving or not arriving uh you know uh, upset Messi uh, you know if it affected contract talks and he was to then reject a, a new deal it you know has uh, ramifications for uh, for Bartomeu as, uh, as president as well so you know a lot of it 
the the feeling was that Barcelona didn't hadn't really planned to make an offer for Neymar at the beginning of the summer, and it be, essentially just became more and more important for them as the as the summer wore on. But PSG were never convinced that Barcelona were ever going to have anywhere close to the money that they that they needed, which was why there was so much indirect contact. Um, you know, and I think if Barcelona had just been more direct. Uh, you know they probably would have had more more joy with uh, with PSG, but it doesn't change the fact that you know at the end of the day Barcelona had already spent a lot of money before the summer transfer window even opened. So I think that managing to pull off uh, you know something like Neymar's return was always going to be uh, a, a tall order unless they had a massive summer of sales, which they actually didn't in the end. When you look at how bloated their midfield remains, so it's yeah it's it it was as as expected. Uh, you know the 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 frosty relations warmed up at times, but you know not really enough uh, for P- certainly not enough for PSG to want to do Barcelona a favor. Now I I think I heard you say that Messi was due for a new contract or something. Can can are you reporting that Messi to PSG next summer could potentially happen? <laughs> no, would that no, be the most amazing thing? I don't I don't I don't, th- I don't think we'll ever uh, we'll ever live to see that day. Um, I mean I. I mean, obviously, Messi has plenty of time on his on his current contract. I think it's more uh, there. There seems to be a constant re-establishment of him as uh, uh, you know Barcelona's uh, top dog, and you know bringing in Neymar would have just made that uh, those those negotiations that little bit smoother. Uh, I don't think that we'll see him leave Barcelona at least not until the very end of his career when he probably goes back to Argentina for the for the final few years as he's publicly said a couple of times he he always wanted to do. Uh, you know, I think that there there might have been a time in the past where PSG would have loved to have tried to prize him away from Barcelona but Barcelona have obviously learned from uh, from the their painful past lessons of having Neymar pinched away from them in the first place uh, to not put too low a minimum fee release clause in uh, in Messi's contract. So no, I don't, I'm, I'm not announcing that PSG will be making some swoop for, for Messi anytime soon. Yeah. So you think he'll, he'll go to Argentina. I think he'll end up in the MLS, maybe like the Seattle Sounders or something. Um, <laughs> so let, let's talk about injuries. You mentioned that you actually think that Mbappe, just with his being his, you know, as young as he is, that he might be able to come back and potentially make the Real Madrid match. But just bigger picture, we've talked about kind of the changes with the fitness and the medical staff. What's going on with these injuries? Every year we've got injuries that seem to be muscle injuries, things that should be somewhat avoidable. Talk a little bit about the changes that are going on behind the scenes and what you blame. Is it just bad luck or is it something that could be preventable? Uh, I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. I mean, sometimes you just have to admit that, you know, some players are getting older. So these kind of injuries are, you know, uh, uh, to be expected. You know, Cavani is is not getting any younger. So I think that's completely normal. You know, Herrera is just turning 30 as well. So he's... Uh, you know, for him to have, uh, you know, injury problems as well is not completely out of the out of out of the ordinary. Um, yeah, PSG have made changes to the medical staff, changes for the better. Uh, I think that they'll benefit from that moving forward. I mean, I think the biggest problem for PSG, and it doesn't surprise me that that Mbappe is injured, uh, is the fact that uh, you know some of these players have so much going on uh, over the summer that it's not doesn't really seem like they get that much time hol- on holiday because no sooner had Mbappe's season finished and you know international duty was over uh, you know he was uh, you know off on uh, tour to the you know places like Japan the USA and you know as as cool as that is and you know as good as it is for for his brand 
Uh, you do wonder how much, you know, sort of rest and recuperation time he actually had, uh, you know, and whether sort of that that time lost, um, you know, where he could have just been, you know, chilling out and, and taking it easy and recharging the batteries has kind of cost him at the beginning of, uh, of, of this season because, you know, the the preseason when you go somewhere like uh, Asia is, is never that easy because of the, you know, the humidity in those areas. Mm. Um and I, you know, I also think as well, it's never ideal when you're coming back into a season off the back of international tournaments. Uh, this summer at KPSG, we were kind of lucky in that it was only Copper America. But then again, there were a lot of players still involved, a lot of PSG players still involved in that. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those things, it, it, you know, it's, it's unavoidable international duty. Uh, you know, PSG just have to sort of make the make the best of it. Uh, I mean, I just I, th- I think it was unlucky with Herrera. Uh, you know, somebody who keeps himself in very very good shape. Uh, you know, these are the things that can happen in training, and that's why you need to have strength and depth in these uh, positions. And luckily, uh, you know, after a very good um, transfer window, they have that. Uh, but uh, you know, up until the the signing of Icardi, it was looking a little. Uh, a little worrying uh, in attack. Uh, you know, I think that, that PSG have the, the depth to deal with these injuries now. But if this is to become sort of like a recurring theme this season, then I think more serious questions should be posed, uh, you know, particularly about how much time the players actually spend resting uh, in the summer. Yeah, Mbappe did a lot of traveling the summer. I saw on his Instagram he was out in Portland or I guess wherever the Nike headquarters is based. And then he's over in China. I mean, I, I fly to you know DC. It's a couple hour flight, and I'm you know my legs are cramped. I understand he probably <laughs> flies a little bit nicer than I do, but still, that's a lot of time zones to be crossing. So that's a good point. Um, Jonathan, we want to wrap up with something that I've been wanting to talk with you about because I don't, as an American supporter, I don't fully understand what is going on and in France and league in particular with the banners that are being held up at games and matches being stopped. Um, so for our listeners and people that just may be clueless to what is going on with that could you sort of just break it down what's going on why it's going on maybe a history um just your from your point of view what's going on with these banners at matches yeah i mean uh, at the end of the day you know i think that the situation at the moment in ligan is that certain things that have happened for a number of years in the stadiums are now suddenly coming into the spotlight uh you know because of the you know the way that uh, society is these days uh, you know it's very very uh pc uh mm-hmm. you know to the point where i think it's it, it's almost excessive uh I, that said i don't think that um lfp president natalie Boisdeletto, uh you know did herself any fa- did herself any favors when she was talking about some sort of chance that can be interpreted as a bit uh, homophobic um are part of the folklore of, of french football i think that was a bit um I don't think it was the right choice of words. Uh, what, what I'd say instead is that there are things that have been sort of part of the of the of, of the Ligue 1 uh, or the French football match day experience, uh, you know, for for years and years now. Speaking as someone who used to be a season ticket holder at PSG, uh, you know, I would I would hear a lot. I mean, particularly when Marseille would come to town, I would hear a lot of uh, you know PSG fans chanting things like uh, you know. Uh, um, so and so, whichever player it happened to be, it might be Fabrice Fiorez or somebody returning as a former PSG player, uh, takes it from behind, basically. And I, you know, I don't think it was really, in- it wasn't really intended as something, uh, you know, homophobic when the when 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 these fans were were chanting it. They were just trying to express 
uh, you know their their dislike their you know their hatred of the of, of the opponents uh, and i think actually bringing attention to this kind of thing is is almost made it uh, a, a bigger issue than it was to start with because now you're telling fans okay you can't do this uh, and you know french the french football uh, french football and the french footballing authorities and you know the french authorities themselves seem to spend a lot of time telling french football fans what they can't do and not you know what they're allowed to do what they're you know being encouraged to do yeah. uh, you know there's so many sort of limitations restrictions being put in place uh, you know that it, you know that almost feels like you know it's not even worth being a, a fan of French football at times because it's just so joyless. And I'm not, I'm not saying that suddenly you know uh, you know stadiums should be filled with fans uh, you know coming up with new uh, homophobic chants that are you know designed to be as offensive as possible. No, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, I'm just saying that you know that you know there perhaps needs to be a little bit of common sense uh, applied when. You know, there there are these things that have been said for you know for for a long long time that you know I don't feel were ever intended to be homophobic for the for the point of being homophobic. I just feel that they were. It was it's something that's said in order for fans to express their dislike of a, of another group of fans or a, another team. Uh, I, you know, I, th- I think that steps can be taken to sort of work on uh, on, on s- minimising this kind of thing moving forward. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think it's, you know, the right steps have been taken at the moment. So it doesn't surprise me to see the, you know, the reactions uh, that uh, that have been greeting, uh, you know, the, the the recent controversy. But uh, yeah, carry on. No, go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to finish up my point really by saying that it's, uh, you know, once again, it's another unnecessary uh, negative image uh, being shed on uh, on on Ligue 1. And, I th- you know, I think, like I said, there's already so many limitations on fans, particularly away fans going to, you know, going to games or not being allowed to go to games, as is more often the case. Uh, you know, I think that there there needs to be, other areas of the the match day experience uh, looked at, not just uh, you know some of these uh, you know some of these chants, because at the end of the day, I I think that there's a lot of anger at the moment on the terraces, um, you know, and, and focusing on something like this uh, is only going to worsen the the situation as opposed to you know look, actually look for some uh, some sort of proper solutions that would actually make the the experience of, of going to a league on match more enjoyable for the people who feel that they they don't enjoy it at the moment. Interesting. And just one quick follow: What do you think the reception for Neymar is going to be if he does start against Strasbourg? And I think that there is going to be some animosity towards him. I think that's understandable. Uh, you know, he's not come out yet and and said that he didn't want to go at all. Uh, you know, over the over over the course of the summer, and I think the fact that he hasn't by now. Uh, you know, tells everyone, you know, what they already know. You know, he did want to, he did, he did want out this summer. Uh, and, you know, the fans have already expressed their, well, particularly the ultras have already expressed their, their dissatisfaction with his behavior. Then again, uh, you know, I, although I did feel like it was at the point of no return after the Nîmes match, uh, you know, I think that 
if the the ultras can be realistic and uh, you know and stick to their values which is uh, you know to, to to not heckle their own players too much as you know it, it sort of sullies the colors of the club uh, then you know, they're going to have to get behind Neymar but I also think that you know Neymar does owe them uh, you know some sort of um, apology or at least recognition of the you know the fact that he didn't want to stay at PSG this summer uh, you know, and I think that at the end of the day, both parties, uh, you know, the, the club and Neymar are going to have to look, um, you know, for ways to sort of make this relationship workable for, for the season, see how the season goes. Uh, you know, and it may, it may well be that, that Neymar ends up having to play his way uh, out of PSG. But I think, you know, a, a few good performances, particularly in some of PSG's bigger matches between now and Christmas, would go a long way to, uh, you know, to mending some of those bridges. But that said, I don't think that Neymar's relationship with the fans will ever go back to um, being how it used to be and, you know, as, as positive as it, uh, as it was before. Hey, a hat trick and maybe a badge kiss goes a long way. <laughs> well, I mean, he, you know, at the end of the day, he's going to have to do uh, he's going to have to do something because uh, those fans are, are pretty angry. Yeah, agreed. Well, we've kept you far too long. We should let you get back to packing. Uh, any any concerts coming up for you? I know you like to post some of your you like, you like music. So any concerts you're headed to? Uh, I don't have any lined up just now. Okay. Uh, might be a couple coming towards the the end of the year, but it's, uh, it's it's kind of slowing down. It's been a bit of a crazy summer. Saw some uh, saw some really good bands, a couple of good festivals. So no, it's been uh, it's it's been really good as far as music's concerned. Uh, and I don't know if I if if I end up going to a concert before uh, before the end of the year, obviously I'll uh, I'll be sharing that on Twitter as well. Fantastic. All right, well, good luck with the move, and we'll check in with you a little bit later for the latest on what's going on at PSG. Thanks so much, Jonathan. Thanks a lot for having me on, and speak soon.